Hey guys, welcome to the Photo Banter Podcast. Um, before we get into the Jason Grow interview today, I actually want to tell you about a new image transfer tool I've been using lately called PicDrop. Uh, it's a really great tool that was actually designed by photographers, and they really had photographers in mind when they uh, put the tool together. Um, it, you can create custom galleries and various folders. We need to send off those files to your clients you're working with. I've been using it for about a month now, and honestly, I really enjoy it. Um, what it's done for me is it's kind of helped me keep all my files for the different assignments I'm working on organized in one spot, and my clients can actually write notes to me on the photos they send to them and rate them, and like I said, it just kind of helped me keep everything organized and streamlined. Um, for years, I was just using like Dropbox and WeTransfer, but with uh, PicDrop, they really understand what photographers need, um, so I can't say enough about it, and actually with today's podcast, if you use the promo code PHOTOBANTER, you're going to get three months free when you sign up at PickDrop.com. Um, so definitely go check it out and let me know what you guys think. And remember to use the promo code PHOTOBANTER and you'll get three months free when you sign up at PickDrop.com. And without further ado, we'll get into the Jason Grow podcast here. Thanks so much. Welcome to the PHOTOBANTER podcast. I'm your host, Alex Gagne. And on today's podcast, I speak with photographer Jason Grow. Jason has worked with clients such as Time Magazine, Sports Illustrated, Microsoft, and Forbes, to name a few. In this interview, I speak to Jason about his early days working as a newspaper photographer in California, and I also speak to Jason about his recent assignment for Politico, where he photographed the newly elected women of Congress, including Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. I was lucky enough to assist Jason early on in my career, and I can say that Jason has a real passion for what he does, so I was really excited to get a chance to speak with him in depth about his work and career. So I hope you enjoy it, and thanks so much for listening. Are we ready to go? We're ready. All right, well, Jason Grow, welcome to the podcast, man. Thanks for taking the time to do this, dude. Thanks for driving up here to my house to do it. In beautiful Gloucester, we're right by the water. I was excited to talk to you. Um, you're one of the first guys I assisted for when I got out of college like 10 years ago. Um, always been a fan of your work, so definitely interested to in kind of hear more about your background. And uh, yeah, I guess like I was just kind of curious, like where do you grow up and like how do you kind of get into photography initially? Well, first off, I'm glad you recovered from that experience. Um, <laughs> where did I grow up? I, I, I grew up all over. Um, you know, I was raised, my parents moved a lot when I was a kid and uh People ask me if I was military, and no, I wasn't military. I just was mostly dysfunctional. Um, you know, we, we spent a lot of time all over the country. Uh, I ended up in California and uh, grew up mostly in California from about the age of 10 on up. Northern or southern? Both. Okay, But wow. mostly northern. And uh, ended up uh, living in the Bay Area. Went to uh, UC Berkeley to study chemical engineering. Mm. When I realized that there was no way in the world I was going to be able to keep up with the other chemical engineers in my class, I decided I would do something else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, um, I left school for a couple of years, went traveled, and I think that's when I really decided to think about doing photography. Mm -hmm. um, I wasn't really necessarily stuck on photography, though. I'd taken some photogra photography classes at the um, uh, at Berkeley's Extension uh, Department, but um, I wanted to go out see the world and, and, and do things. And, and, uh, so traveling was the first, uh, first intro. And then I came back and realized that I really wanted to be a journalist mm. that uh, I'd been struck by 
just the experience of being out in the world and, and, and seeing it, then I decided I wanted to go into journalism. So I went to San Francisco State wow. and uh, got into the program there, which, um, which was great. Uh, studied photography, photojournalism was my emphasis, and uh, met some great people, m- most of whom have done really well, <laughs> I have to say. Um, some of my classmates and friends have done phenomenally well. well uh, are they still doing a lot of photojournalism? Or? Yeah, they're doing really, really interesting stuff. Uh, Diana uh, Smith, who's Diana Matar, she's doing tremendous uh, work. Uh, Mary Calvert was one of my roommates. She's... Mm-hmm. Uh, She's done f- phenomenal work in Washington uh, internationally. Um, Michael Robinson Chavez, who works for the Washington Post. Oh yeah. Um, what do you uh, What do you think kind of drew you to like photojournalism? What kind of interest do you about it when you first kind of got into it? You think? I think it was it was about telling stories and about you know I, I'm I'm very struck by uh, inequality and about um, um, the underdog and people being taken advantage of and so. <laughs> I was drawn to journalism to to try to tell those stories, and um, I saw myself as being someone who would would you know end up kind of going that route. And I did for a while. You know, I I went into newspapers, which was sort of my entree right after college. I got a great job at the San Jose Mercury News when mm-hmm. it was probably one of the top five newspapers photographically. Wow! In the country, it was great. I was so lucky to get this job. How do you how do you kind of land there? I uh, had an earthquake. Was yeah. So you know, I, I planned this earthquake. It you know <laughs> devastated half of the area, but it allowed me to really shine. Um, no, I, I was working. I had an internship at the Mercury News, um, and uh, I had done a uh, an internship at the San Francisco Chronicle right prior to that, just before graduating. Mm. Um, my mentor at the time, Brian Moss. Um, Went to the Mercury News, convinced them that I was worth giving a shot to. So I came down there and worked for, um, as an intern, We had the uh, Loma Prieta earthquake happened, and um, they just sort of slid into a, a full-time job. Damn, what kind of what kind of stuff did they have you shooting when you first kind of got in there? Pretty much everything. I mean, I, they didn't treat, I mean, as an intern, you know, you kind of expect to do stuff that is not the the great stuff but i i got to do pretty much everything that everyone else got to do yeah because uh, like working at a newspaper they, they might have you covering like sports or this kind of daily news things in around the area and things like that pretty much or is it where you do oh, like, yeah. portraits i mean, you, and, I, mean the, I mean the the, the wonderful thing about um working in a newspaper at least it, it was when i was coming up um a couple of hundred decades ago was that you know you you had the the broad range of experiences you could be shooting a, a a a Boy Scout jamboree thing and one you know a, a baseball game in the afternoon and then you know a city council meeting in the evening and you never really knew what was going on and and uh, you really got to know your community you got to have you know a, a, an amazing um, uh, exposure to a lot of different environments and people and things so it was it was always exciting yeah it always seemed like a pretty exciting job and it's kind of a bummer newspapers are kind of not really around as much as they used to be it seems like these days um but like when you're studying photography like when you're in school was that kind of like what you thought you're going to do is basically is be kind of a newspaper photographer because like look, looking at your work now you do a lot of portraiture was that even something you were paying attention to back then when you were studying no no I, in fact you know i my 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 stated written down goal was to be you know the next james knockway or or you know salgado it was I was going to go off and, and 
do magnus opus works you know big big things mm. um i got into the newspaper world because you know it was it it was to me the path to do that mm-hmm. um that's fine the um uh when i when i started working for the for the paper you know i would i would do the journalism the photojournalism thing and that was that was fantastic but uh, it, there was a sort of movement, a little trend towards moving into portrait work. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I, you know, really basically took it upon myself to try to learn lighting and to do lighting, lit portraits on, on occasion when it seemed like a, a, a good idea to do it. And then I got to work with uh, Sandra Isard at the uh, at the uh, West Magazine, which was the San Jose Mercury News Sunday Magazine. Oh, so they, they had like a magazine in the newspaper. Yeah, it's like the Washington Post magazine. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Basically, so they would do features and, and profiles and portraits. And plus, uh, we also, being in the Silicon Valley area, we were doing a lot more uh, profiles, especially, you know, as the dot-com boom, the first dot-com boom wow. um, started to come up. So we would be photographing a lot of the people that were at the at the cutting edge of uh, the technology boom and those aren't always necessarily visually interesting yeah. um i mean they can be you know look at doug menuey's work with next and the and the apple steve jobs thing uh who is my by the way i gotta put a little plug in one of the guys that i used to assist for who was amazing oh uh, doug doug Menuhe, wow. taught us so much uh, an amazing yeah those photos are really interesting because like like you said like uh, when they when you first take those photos, they're not really that visually interesting for the most part because it's like offices. But then, like twenty years later, they yeah. mean something completely different from when they first taken. Now, when you look at it, you're like, holy shit! <laughs> like, they, I mean, they they really did take a long time to come into. It. I mean, the thing about Doug's work on on that particular project was that they were really good pictures. Yeah. Even then, oh, and yeah. um, as as one of his assistants, um, I had the terrifying task of of developing a lot of that film, mm. uh, and it really was terrifying. In fact, I actually kind of begged him once not to make me do certain film because it was too scary. I didn't want to screw it up. But, the, um, um, but he, you know, he did a, a tremendous job. And I think, you know, the, the, the um, combination of both his terrific work as a, as a documentarian and, and really getting to the heart of what was going on there. And, of course, Steve Jobs' rise and the, and the, you know, the serendipity of him being who he was brought that together. But... You know the, the the picture of the the um, his hands in front of his face. You know, like I think I printed the very first copy of that. Oh, really? Yeah, and so every time I see it, I have a little PTSD. You know. <laughs> <laughs> so, so were you, when you were assisting for him, was that all the same time you were kind of working at the newspaper too? Or I was kinda... mostly in college, so I was, I was finishing up um, my my college career as it was. Yeah, but was, um, yeah. was like assisting. Did you do a lot of that? Or? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I did a lot of work. Basically, I sort of split my time between assisting. And working for stringing for the, the Chronicle and the Examiner and uh, the AP, um, did a lot of work for, for those folks. That's cool. And then, how long did you end up staying with the newspaper for? I was there for uh, just about seven years. I okay, got there for... in '89. I left in '96. I took a leave of absence in '96. My wife and I moved to England for a year, mm. um, and then came back and and uh, and decided to go uh, freelancing as a magazine photographer full time. And that was kind of when you kind of started focusing more on the portraiture and the yeah, kind of light uh, yeah, stuff. Yeah, so sort of as a, a transmit, you know, I was doing a lot of portraiture at the, uh, mm-hmm. at the, at the newspaper. Mm-hmm. Um, and so transitioning from that to sort of full time magazine portraiture mm-hmm. was, was fairly seamless. Yeah. Plus I had, I had the great, uh, opportunity, um, to get hooked up with Marcel Saba when he had Saba 
and he took me on and that did a tremendous amount towards getting me you know instant credibility with magazines so you know i owe a lot to him in terms of my beginning of my career yeah uh, as a photographer yeah because that's what i was going to ask is like when you're kind of transitioning from newspaper to freelancing full-time like how are you kind of getting your work out there initially back then well, back then, I mean, in addition to, you know, having the, the, the support of, of the agency and, and Marcel, the, uh, you could actually go to New York and meet editors. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I wish, I think I probably still have my notebooks full of appointments. You know, you'd plan, you'd, you'd print your portfolio up, you'd do your whole thing, you'd get it ready to go, you'd print two or three copies of it, you would start calling editors at Time or Newsweek, or U.S. News and World, oh, actually News, News in Washington, but... Um, and you'd say, I'm coming to New York. Can I see you? Yeah. And the answer was always, yeah, call us when you get here. You'd get there. You would you would then get to meet three or four or five other editors. And there was a real personal connection with things. Um, you know, I haven't done that for a while, mm. um, mostly because I've talked to photographers who've tried to do that. Yeah. And it's become really, really difficult to get in the door because editors themselves are stretched time-wise. You know, where time used to have you know, a dozen editors or so, they might have, you know, three or four now. And a lot of those editors from interviewing some of them, now they're not just doing one publication, they might be doing multiple. Multiple publications. They And a lot of them, I mean, I don't really know whether or not this is the case, but for a while it seemed like a lot of uh, publications had sort of let their entire editing staffs go and were contracting people in for three months at a time. Mm-hmm. So you develop a relationship with an editor at, you know, X magazine and you get a couple of assignments. It's great. Fantastic. And then three months later they're gone and they go to another magazine that already has their list of photographers that they work with. Or they, or they start editing like food photos. (laughs) So suddenly you're not a food photographer. So it, 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 I, I think it, one of the things that I have noticed over the last uh, 25, 26 years has been that, uh, um, it's been really, really hard to keep up with the transitional nature of, the people who are there to give you work. Yeah, it's it's a full-time job. Like like you said, like you can have a good client for a couple of years. And even in the back of my mind all the time, like this is going to end someday probably. And it's like... You do. I, well, <laughs> see, I grew up, I grew up with, the, with the idea. I mean, I grew up. I mean, I came up with, yeah. with the notion that you establish these sort of long-term relationships with magazines. Mm. And the people that I really enjoyed looking at and, and who worked a lot did that they worked a lot for time they did a lot for us news they did a lot for newsweek or or for forbes or fortune and you know you could you could kind of count on as long as you continued to do good work you could kind of count on that kind of relationship expanding mm. and then these sort of seismic shifts in in how the magazines were structured yeah, caused a big rift i feel like the internet and like digital photography kind of changed everything because now it seems like photo editors they can be like they can just go on like some like website and be like i need a photo photographer in i don't know idaho and they can be like just find this one and this one instead of like they don't really send people anymore kind of it's all i think that's partially true and that is mostly due to i think budgetary constraints i mean it's mm-hmm. it's um you know because i certainly know photographers and, and i certainly do on occasion still travel 
uh, for yep. stuff, you know, which is definitely, nice. Definitely. I sure wish that New York, New York would stop sending photographers up to Boston all the time. But uh, <laughs> I hear you. Man. Yeah, it's like, hello. We're, we're right here. Not to be a hater, but I'm like, yeah, shit, no, man. We, we love you. We love you. You're, you're awesome. Just stay in Brooklyn. Stay in, stay in Manhattan. We we're trying to eat uh, out here. I'm not, I'm, not coming, I'm not coming to New York, you know. No, I feel you, man. Um, but I guess, like, when you first started freelancing and shooting, like, portraits for, like, magazines and stuff, what were kind of some of the first assignments? Or is there anything that kind of sticks out in your mind when you kind of first started freelancing? Some well, the- mostly, the, well, it, again, this was in the Bay Area. It was just, uh, uh, I, like to, I like to say that I photographed a lot, of, a, lot of, a lot of people before they became millionaires and billionaires, you know. Um, suddenly, I, I don't know how I, fi- how I did this, but I managed to miss the financial rewards of the entire Silicon Valley experience. <laughs> you know, it's like, I, I, I never make great investments or whatever, but, uh, um, the, uh, um, but mostly it was just the, 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 being able to photograph the, uh, you know, sort of the rise of this, this, this new economy, this new industry. I mean, it collapsed and, and, and about that time we actually moved to the East coast, which was something I never thought I'd do. But, hmm. you know, we, we basically moved because we, you know, the Bay area became so unaffordable for, people that it was just like we're not you know we're not gonna thrive here at this rate doing what we're doing but yeah. um um the uh i always try to try to remember the the, the photographs of people I, one of the one of the people i photographed it was working for the newspapers at the time was uh was the, the was the world's biggest movie star who's that yeah, exactly. It was Jackie Chan at the time. What? And nobody knew who Jackie Chan was. Wow. It was like, it was like, you know, we want to photograph Jackie Chan. Yeah, sure, I guess so. You know what? He does like martial arts, right? But literally, you know, the the biggest grossing, the most fan base worldwide, biggest movie star, could not have been a sweeter guy. Yeah. You know, went to his went to his uh, his hotel suite. You know, he said, "What do you want to do?" We we did this whole thing and. And then afterwards, he, they brought in all his food, and we sat down and, and ate sushi and dim sum with, with Jackie Chan. It was pretty amazing. Was that like the first celebrity you had photographed at that point? I don't know if it was the first one. I, you know, the other one I, I photographed early on when I was still working for newspapers was, was Kevin Bacon, which allowed me to say that I'm one degree separated from Kevin Bacon <laughs> in the Kevin Bacon game. Um, you know, but um, no, I, I mean, you know, the thing was, is it wasn't just about celebrities and, and famous people. You know, it was about photographing you know sort of regular normal people in ways that you know elevated them a little bit and that thing told their story so um but i'm trying to think about the the more celebrated i mean yeah. when you asked me about the podcast and you know you asked you said something about photographing chuck norris oh yeah i was definitely gonna ask about that man well yeah well uh, photographing chuck norris that guy's such a legend man <laughs> well you know uh, i'm glad i survived no he was i got a call i was living in gloucester I got a call at about, I don't know, 12, 12.30. I said, can you get to Mohegan Sun by 4 o'clock? <laughs> and I said, maybe. It's about a two-hour drive. <laughs> yeah, it's about two hours. But, but, I, but I was like, for what? Yeah. We want you to photograph uh, Chuck Norris. <laughs> and I'm like, okay. <laughs> you want me to photograph Chuck Norris in a hotel in less than three hours? I don't have an assistant. I didn't have my gear with me. I did nothing. I was I was running errands yeah. downtown. I rushed home. I threw stuff in my car. I jumped on the highway. I drove like a you know madman, and I'm and I'm thinking the whole way I'm totally screwed. This is this is just going to go terrible. Why is that? Because you know he's there for some big launch of his the fighting. It's like a press uh, press junket. It's 
It's Chuck Norris. He's yeah. going to have, I don't know, I'm, I'm by myself. I didn't have, you know, I didn't have anybody to help me with my stuff. Yeah. And, uh, we, we don't have that much time. Yeah. He's got this big event in the evening. He's going to be distracted. You know, I'm just thinking the whole way, this is a disaster. I'm going to, I'm going to just, I'll never work for Time Magazine again. <laughs> right. So I pull up, you know, to I'll park my stuff with a little cart full of my gear. And, and uh, you know, it was for a specific section. So I, I knew that it was going to be, you know, specifically lit in a, in a particular way. So that, that was not such a big deal. And, but I'm still, I'm dreading it, you know, because I just don't know how bad this is going to be. And I knock on the door, you know, and I'm, I'm wait, wait, knock on the door again. And the door opens and there's Chuck Norris staring at me. I'm like, hi, <laughs> Mr. Norris. I'm Jason Grove from Time Magazine. He goes, come in, come in, come in, come in. And he said, what do you want to do? And I said, well, we got to do this and that, you know, outlined it out there. I said, how much time do you guys? He goes, we're fine, we're fine, we're good. You know, he's, he's got, he's, he's all made up, he's ready to go. Uh, his, his wife is there. She's incredibly nice and sweet. Um, we come in and do the, do the whole thing, um, do a bunch of series of portraits, again, seamless. Um, and uh, probably about 15, 20 minutes after we finished you know, we, we lit, did the lighting. We we finished the shoot. Um, he said, he said, are you good? Are you got everything you need? And I said, yeah, I think I do. He goes, okay. So, excuse me for a minute. Okay. He goes into the bathroom, and for like the next fifteen minutes, I hear this terrible, like he's being sick. And it turned out that he had had this horrible stomach virus for like three or four days. Oh. And he just held everything so he together. Muscled through that he photo was just shoot. Like, he just muscled through the whole thing. He couldn't have been sweeter. <laughs> he couldn't have been nicer. And you know, it was just like I was just like he started sitting. Okay, he came back out and he said, "Okay, I gotta, I gotta run." Yeah, it's hilarious. And I'm like, "Okay, <laughs> hey man, that's that's photography for you, man. You, you, you're chilling at home before you know it, and two hours you can be at a casino in Connecticut hearing Chuck Norris puke. <laughs> One of those fond memories I'll carry with me the rest of the time. Um, like how you're kind of talking about how like you're kind of going down there and you, there's like this level of like stress because you know what you're walking into. Is that kind of like a feeling you have like a lot of times like walking into shoes? Because I know I feel that too sometimes where it's like every single yeah because you, time. Because you try to be prepared as you can but especially with editorial you don't know what you're walking into like they could say you could do x y and z but then you get there and it's this you don't know what you're walking into so it always just kind of feels like that i probably of, i probably shouldn't say this but i think <laughs> i think i'm terrified every single time i go out to photograph i, I think mean, that's good though is it i think i think if you're like too cocky like if you if you're just like i got this shit like I don't well, think... <laughs> yeah cause inevitably those are the ones that you end up screwing up but i mean i i think i walk into every situation thinking i will never work again yeah you know i mean i'm I, I just assume that, you know, that there's probably somebody who could have done it better and, or that, or that I've missed something or that, that I, I don't, uh, I feel, I feel the same way, man. Even now, like, even if I know, cause I know like at this point, like I can be like, I'm proud of that photo. But even when I submit it to the magazine, I'm like, I hope they like it. <laughs> like, you know, like, it's just like that feeling, man. I, hope I, I do. It. I mean, I, you know, I, I, I like to think that I, I try, you know, I, I try really hard on every assignment whether it's a headshot or you know a portrait or a feature whatever um but i do i feel that i feel that that rising anxiety every time i go out thinking okay you know this may be the last time you ever 
ever make a photograph and <laughs> and justifiably so you know that you've been fooling people for a long time no i feel you man it, 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 but i think that's a good attitude to have and you know one thing i was kind of curious and talking to you about i always kind of ask everybody um did it kind of take you a while to kind of find your like aesthetic or kind of your photographic style because like looking at your work um now it seems like you you really enjoy working with strobes have you always kind of worked in that way did it kind of take you a while to kind of find your voice i guess yeah, I'm still still looking. Still looking. <laughs> still looking. Uh, I yeah, I mean, I think the uh, the that, it's a really interesting thing, and I think it's something that that uh, um, if you look at sort of if you go into my files and look at the way that my work has changed over time, um, I was very eager and very happy to jump on trends, mm-hmm. you know, um, and to do things to to experiment with stuff. You know, sometimes it was my own you know me doing it myself like you know when i worked at the newspaper i started doing a lot of polaroid yeah you know polaroid was you know it was used but i it was it was definitely not used in the newspaper business. like type 55 like or 55 something. and 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 uh rest in peace type 55 oh I'm such a sad <laughs> sad show was my the best, man. <laughs> um yeah uh <laughs> photographed the last ceo of polaroid yeah. um so and then and then you know when when freelancing we went the early the nineties was like you know a lot of like shake and bake uh, flash blur kind of stuff yeah, yeah. and and cross processing cross process the shit out of everything you know and then I shot a lot of uh, uh, cross processed Polaroid eight by ten portraits with you know so we'd, we'd come in and we'd lug in all the gear for the regular shoot and then we'd drag the eight by ten in and. You know, shoot. Yeah, you did some really cool stuff. Like, I don't know if that's the stuff you did with, like, Chi-Chi Rodriguez and yeah. Norman Mailer. That was all 8x10, right? It's all 8x10, 8x10 Polaroid. And, and uh, so you take the color negative and the black and white positive and squish them together. Wow. Um, and that was that was great because that was, that was all, you know, a lot of that was just about keeping things fresh and trying to do things that editors hadn't seen or, you know, that, that maybe you weren't expecting. Um and in some regards, I think some somewhat digital's shifted that a little bit because you don't have quite. I mean, even though you can do infinite amount of things to photographs after the fact, yeah. Part of the, the the funness of doing it was the it's one uncertainty. Of a kind. It's one of a kind. The, well, the Polaroid definitely is one of a kind, yeah. but you could do like you you never knew what exactly was going to happen with cross processing or 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 stuff. But I mean, I think that. What I what I've discovered as you get along and as you get going though is you realize that those are all really fun and they they can eventually become gimmicky, mm-hmm. um, and uh, you can you run the risk of of doing more technique over substance. Yeah, and so when I see that now, you know some of the things I see going on trend wise in photography now, I, I think, well, yeah, that we did that. Yeah, like. 25 years ago colored gels colored gels colored are coming are back hot, in a big way and colored like, gels are what? hot right now <laughs> i got a whole box full of like yeah, vintage yeah. <laughs> colored gels i should probably pull out yeah but I, I look at it and i think okay well you know yes it's it's what's old is new again or what's new is old again i don't know but um i just feel like like for my own work it it the importance was not necessarily the uh it was about the person that you're photographing. Yeah. And so I guess maybe in some regards, my lighting and my technique has gotten a little bit more classical in the yeah. sense. Um, I, mean, I still like fun lighting and stuff like that, but I, mm. I, I think it's, you know, obviously you try to pick what's appropriate for the subject. But um, the other thing is just that oftentimes, you know, we have a project where you're photographing a lot of people in a very short period of time. Yeah. Then it really has to be about the person, not about, 
some light light in the and the and doing something that you know may take a lot of time to to finesse for a single person but you can't do if you're doing 20 people yeah i was gonna ask you you recently did a shot for i think it was politico Mm -hmm. you just shot all was it all was all uh, was all the newly elected women of congress yeah that was an Uh, amazing series i was gonna ask you because how many did you photograph how many people did you photograph for that series was it photographed 36 wow and we photographed 28 of them in one day 20 and right. how much time did you get with each person you think like five not, not, not <laughs> even like, i was gonna say because <laughs> well i mean the 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 first off, you know shout out to to uh uh um politico mm-hmm. uh, katie ellsworth and, and janet michaud for giving me the shoot the uh uh badass is, assignment <laughs> yeah i mean i, I did the fr- I did, i've done two election cycles prior i did 2014 2016 now 2018 and the first one was like, you know, it was still a lot of people, uh, but it was basically everybody who showed up at this particular event. Mm. And the same thing with the second one, though. Um, again, we were photographing around probably 20, 25 people each time. But the location is is a hallway in this, in this um, center at Kennedy, at the Kennedy government, School of Government. Yep. And it's literally like, I don't know, five, six feet wide with a little alcove off of it. And, so is this um, big enough to put like a small seamless? So you basically you put like a, a small seam. I put a medium seamless right. on, against the one of the exit doors for this conference room. Yeah, and swept it out through the hallway. And if you look at the little uh, behind the scenes video that they have online, you can see people walking through the, the set, literally on both sides of the subject while we're shooting. And of course, they're having they're having meetings and they're having seminars and this thing's all about getting uh, new members up to speed on how to how to participate in the process um so they're they're involved in a lot of uh uh time um uh what's the word i'm looking for they're they don't have much time yeah yeah, yeah. thank you i can speak english (laughs) the uh so you we had to grab them as they came out and we had to make sure we got everybody that was there and and you know some people we had for you know five minutes you know we'd, we'd run a little makeup through them check their hair make sure they're going pop in front of the camera and try to get something interesting for them yep. out of that, you know, and and then we'd have two or three or four people stacked up and, you know, you don't want to keep people yeah, waiting. Right, and so it's, be, it's, be so the, the, the trick in there is, I mean, we shot 28 people in, in that time. We started the first one at nine and we finished at three. So six hours. And with that, like, um, what was kind of your goal with those portraits? Like, did the magazine give you a lot of like creative input in what they wanted or what was when you, the, the goal was to try to evoke something about their personality even though we only had a few minutes with them i mean you know i i I knew who we were photographing so i did some work in trying to figure out sort of their history um you know i always try to figure out some aspect of someone's life that i find interesting when i read about their backgrounds and that's and and that's tough with 38 people (laughs) it is it is and so you you just kind of throw stuff out there and and you know I, i i mean i don't know if it's Maybe it's I talk too much during a shoot. Maybe I don't. I don't know. But you know, I'm constantly asking questions. Um, sometimes I make stupid jokes. Mm. I don't know. But basically, I'm trying to find something that is going to evoke a reaction from them, mm-hmm. whether it's serious or laughing or whatever. Um, the uh, the idea is to is to try to get them beyond just the the standard pose. Yeah. You want to you want to pull something out of them. Either, you know, it can be fierce, whatever, whatever the emotion is, you want something. Mm. You just don't want it to be some plain, you know, I'm, I'm sitting for a photograph. Yeah. 
you know, so even if someone's looking quiet and calm, is that a, is it a powerful calm? Is it a confident calm? Is it a, you know, whatever, um, you're trying to get something in the eyes, something in the, in the facial thing or looking off in a way that, that is, uh, that is a little bit more evocative. And do you feel like you've always just been good at like communicating with people to get what you need on shoots? Um, cause I know with myself when I first started, I think I always just felt like a sense of like rush. Like I didn't want to waste people's time. So I think a lot of times the early shoots I did, I kind of rushed through them. Um, but uh, do you feel like the longer you've done this, you've just gotten better at like talking to people and kind of getting what you need out of them pretty much. I like to think so. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, sometimes you swing and miss. Yeah, you yeah know? for sure. Um, <laughs> you know, sometimes you swing and miss hard. Yeah. Uh, but I think the, uh, you know, my approach, I think, with, with people is that, you know, one, I, I, you have to understand that people are giving you time. Mm. So you're already asking them of in something to, to do. And, and they, maybe there's self-interest. You know, it's not, it's not a one-way street. Yeah. But I try to treat... Um, you know, people who are on a high elevated planes, celebrities, important business people, I try to bring them down to being treating them more normal. Like, yeah. Like, and then people who may not be photographed a lot, you try to bring them up to that sort of mid level where they feel a little bit more special about the fact that they're they're doing something. You know, um, but I think mostly I just try to treat people like uh, people. Yeah. You know, and I don't get too wrapped up in the in the celebrity aspect of it. Um, I feel you know, like, it, you feel like it's almost harder shooting celebrities in a sense, because they're a lot of times they've been photographed like a million times. Um, like I know you photographed that there was a Doris Kearns, Doris Kearns Goodwin. She's great. And my friend photographed her too. And I, I thought, I thought this was interesting. She will, she only smiles in photographs. She, <laughs> She's she my friend was trying to, she will not do serious. Like yeah. she is, she knows what she wants to look. And it's like, she knows her like brand or whatever you want to call it. She's got her thing. And I, 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 <laughs> the other side on the other extreme I, I photographed barney frank and he refused to smile you know <laughs> but that's his personality so, i so. said i'm not getting a smile out of you because absolutely not <laughs> you know um so yeah sometimes you, you you try to get something a little bit more than what they're putting out there because you know especially when you have somebody like that they have a an image that they want to project yeah so the trick is how do you get how do you crack that image a little bit just yeah. to get something a little less scripted yeah yeah it's a challenge um, for sure you know but and it's like the, it's the political stuff. Is that something you enjoy? Like, oh, I love it. Yeah. What, yeah. Do, what is it you enjoy I love about it? it? Do you hear me? I love it. I love it more. He's uh, available more, more, for more. assignment right now. <laughs> no, it's, it's fun because, you know, I mean, one, I'm, I'm into politics, mm -hmm. you know, and, and so I'm, I'm, you know, I, and I, I, and the thing I, you know, I have to, I have to really make sure that I say this very carefully is that as much as I'm into politics, I can separate myself out as a photographer. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I, I am interested in the person that's in front of me, uh, even if I don't necessarily agree with their politics. Yeah, I was going to ask you that because I had a situation earlier this year, I've talked about it before, where I got hired to photograph Sean Spicer. And I was, and it was weird. I was like, I was like, I don't know, like, I'm not really back what they're about. But then at the same time, like, maybe that's not my job. It's, I'm a photographer. Is that how you kind of view it? Like, you right. kind of take yourself out of it. No, I, I think that, I mean, I think it's really, you know, you have to be, you have to be aware enough to know that you always bring a bias and a, and a sense of, of who you are to the shoot. Mm -hmm. And in that, part of that's why you're being, you know, that's who you are. You can't separate that out completely. Mm -hmm. But again, it's, it's, uh, it's not necessarily my job to, to make a judgment call. You know, if, if I really don't want to photograph somebody, I'll just say no, yeah. you know, but if I agree to photograph somebody, if I, if I accept the assignment, 
then I have an obligation at that point to do the best job I can to, to make, again, an evocative photograph. The, the, uh, especially in the editorial world, it's not necessarily your job to make somebody look good or better than they are. Yeah. But at the same time, I think you have to be fair because you're not being, you're not the person who, um, you have a lot of power with that camera. Yeah. You know, and you, you can light them to look, make them look like a villain or you can light them you can, to make, you look can do good. a lot of things. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and uh, you know, I mean, and, and, and it may or may not be appropriate to the situation. Yeah. Uh, was it, is it Eisenstadt who photographed, um, I want to say Eisenstadt, but I look at the wrong photographer, a uh, famous situation where he photographed, a. a a German manufacturer after the war. I know exactly what you're you know talking, talking about. about yeah. He lit him from underneath. It's classic. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I, my brain is 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 uh, it's all right. It's failing me right now. But you know, there was definitely an editorial slant to that photograph. And, I, and I'm not saying you don't necessarily bring that to the to the picture, but you know, for the vast majority of stuff that you're photographing, um, you know, that doesn't really necessarily apply. Sean Spicer might have been a. a, a a challenging one to come back with, but again, it's I just I just approached it how I I because I, I was I, I went to I was like I was like yeah like you could go that route and make him look like the villain and I thought about it and I was and then I was like I was like you know what I'm just gonna approach it how I approach any other portrait and that's how I did it maybe I don't know if that's right or wrong but that's just like that's how I approached it like I think if you come away with a picture that you're proud of then uh, yeah then that's okay I mean. You don't necessarily have to have them, you know, holding puppies. No. You know? <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, exactly. Right? But I, you know, I think about I think about the photographer who's who's right now is just ripping up the uh, the political world with Mark Peterson. Oh yeah, that guy's a beast. He's insane. Yeah. It's awesome yeah. what he's doing. I mean, personally, I would run in the other direction if I was a politician. I saw Mark coming at me. That's what I wonder because all those people they have like. I don't know, like people that are, they look at who who's going to, I would imagine they're going to look at who's going to be photographed sometimes. I'm like, I'm curious, like how that works. Like, Well, I don't think he, I don't think because he, I, I think obviously he does some assignment work, but I think, I'll, I mean, you know, direct portrait work, but mm. because he's doing so much stuff that's yeah, covering, yeah. you know, newsy stuff, he, he gets yeah. that, he gets that freedom Leeway, of, yeah. of, of going after it. For, for sure. Um, and you know, one project I was really excited to talk to you about, I, you did a whole series on World War II veterans. Yeah. Um, was that a personal project or was that, yeah, it was a personal project. How did that kind of come about for you? Um, that was a product of, um, you know, I live in Gloucester and Gloucester is a small city, mm-hmm. you know, and, uh, I used to go to the Memorial Day ceremonies, um, mostly because my, one my daughter was asked to play taps a couple of years and. I noticed this guy wearing his Eisenhower jacket from World War Two. Yeah. And I thought, wow, you know, and this is about, I don't know, it's about maybe seven years ago or so, seven, eight years ago. And I said, you know, I really got to photograph that guy at some point. You know, he looks great, you know. And then I didn't. You know? <laughs> <So> <laughs> I do like, like most people, you know, we, oh, we come up with these great ideas and we sit them on the shelf and we don't do anything. Yeah. And then I remember seeing something on, you know, about the uh, the upcoming anniversary, 75th anniversary of the end of the war. And I thought, you know, Gloucester's got such a history uh, with service that, you know, I, I'd love to photograph some of these guys before they go. Yeah. And so basically I just did that. I just started researching, asking around to find out people who were still alive that had been veterans of World War II. Um, my, my parameters were that they either had to live currently or were from Cape Ann. So okay. Gloucester, Rockport, Manchester, uh, Essex, uh, and, Ips- and Ipswich. And that was just basically to keep things relatively contained um, because it was a personal project. I just wanted to photograph them. 
Um, there was no particular uh, plan. I just knew that, um, you know, I, I knew, I remember seeing some statistic that, like, you know, we were losing them at a pretty rapid rate. And oh, yeah. they were all, you know, they're all in their late 80s, early 90s at that point. So this was 2015. So I just started reaching out to anybody I knew in the community who knew. Um, I'm veterans. guessing I'm guessing once you started shooting some, they were like, hey, forgot right. my friend. You got them. Oh, you know, my dad is this and my dad, you know, or my mom, you know. I mean, the, the nice thing was to be able to photograph some of the women that had served. Yeah. Um, and... All in all, I think I ended up photographing, I think, 59 or 60. Wow. Um, there was a couple. There was one that was a couple. Both the man and the woman were had been veterans. Um, and then as I got the project sort of like three quarters of the way through, um, maybe a little bit more, it's like, okay, what do I do with this? You know. And so the, the only thing I really wanted to do was to, to have a public show, was to exhibit it and then kind of do it for the community. Uh, so I was able to uh, to get some interest locally from people. I did a GoFundMe. Yeah. Um, basically, we arranged to have a, uh, a community exhibition at City Hall. Oh wow! So the mayor opened up the City Hall for me to to put up uh, some uh, some panels, and we we, uh, we put up for about three weeks, I think. Wow, that's really cool. And how long did you shoot for from the time you started shooting to, I guess, the last person? How long did it take you to get that series? I guess it's probably about four months. Okay, maybe. wow. So you yeah. shot a lot of people. That's yeah, a lot we of shot shit a lot of people in four months. Yeah, and sometimes I'd shoot one or two. I mean, two or three people in a day. And the thing I liked about it, you had like a little bit of text, a little bio with every yeah. person on your site. Did you kind of like sit down and kind of interview yeah. interview them pretty much? We uh, the, 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 basically I wanted to keep it simple. You know, um, we photographed in their in their homes. You know, again, there's the folks in their late 80s, early 90s that didn't want to impose upon them. Um, we would set up in their kitchen or their living room or their dining room, whatever, and do the photograph. I always try to photograph them with something that was meaningful to them at the time. Um, and then we'd sit down and, you know, I, I wasn't prepared necessarily to do a full-on, like, you know, it's life history kind yeah, of yeah, thing. Yeah. But I wanted to find out, you know, one, the basics where they served, you know, why they went into the service, uh, you know, where they ended up. Uh, afterwards, but then also because Gloucester's like everybody's related to everybody else, and it's small. You know, people live here for generations. Just getting the family history. Uh, you know, like the the uh, the Mondello brothers. I photographed two of them, but I think like I can't remember now. My brain again doesn't work. Like five brothers served. Wow. wow. In in the service all over. So we had guys in the navy, guys in the army. The two I photographed, one was uh, was in the army and he he he, he uh, served in Europe. The other was in the navy and served in the Pacific. Um, and we'd sit down. And the funny thing was is that you know, para, uh, people would say you know oh you know can, he doesn't really talk about the war you know. And I said yeah no I, I've heard that before you know but uh, okay whatever. We'll, we'll talk whatever, you know, whatever, 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 whatever he wants to tell want. me yeah, he'll yeah, tell yeah, me yeah. 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 We got some of these guys talking, and like you couldn't stop them. Yeah, like, like you know, you're looking at your watch, going, "Okay, I've been here for two hours, and I, uh, I gotta go." But uh, you know, saying so, I, I really came up with, you know, came to the conclusion that yeah, for a long time these guys didn't talk about it, but they're in their 80s and 90s now. They want to talk about it. Mm. A lot of them did. Yeah, and and so I encouraged people at the at the exhibition when we showed up for the for the opening. Um, you know, I literally thought we were going to have like. 40, 50 people showing up, you know, we got a couple of cheese plates and, the, yeah, yeah. you know, the, the refreshments thing out there. 
and we probably had about 400 people show wow up. that it must was, have been a pretty cool it was experience crazy. it was crazy it was really emotional a lot of these guys hadn't seen each other uh, for a number of years, so that people were connecting with, you know, people had brought their grandkids and their great grandkids to see the pictures, and you know, it was pretty. Uh, it was a pretty. Uh, That's heavy, man. Pretty heavy day. Yeah, I was, I was kind of, you know, <laughs> I, I get kind of weepy about stuff like that. Man, like I think that's the interesting thing about photography, and I think like when you're doing this for a living, you can kind of forget about like if you just scratch out in the surface in your community or whatever you can really learn a lot about people in the community. And I, I, just like that, like the little bit of effort you made and now you kind of brought all these people together. It's pretty cool what photography can do, you know? It, I was I was more struck by how uh, it affected people in the community than I expected. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, people would call me up, they'd send me emails, you know, uh, you know, just like what you did was, was amazing. And I, I didn't really think, really think it was amazing. It was, you know. They're I, good, I, man. I, I love the series. I loved it. But, and I, I really enjoyed doing it. I love meeting these people uh, and talking to them and hearing their stories and, and thanking them. You know, like we always, a lot of effort to, to, to thank veterans these days for pretty much everything. But, you know, these guys literally saved the world. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> you know, and, and uh, um, you know, a little side story on the, on the whole um, project was that, we raised all this money to to get the prints made, and you know we had sixty five prints in the show. So, and it was a pretty low budget operation in terms of the, how things go. But um, we hooked up with a with a company, and and they did the printing and the framing. And it was, oh wow! It was all it was good, except when they showed up, the prints. I don't know what happened. Whether I screwed up, they screwed up, but they just were flat. Oh and really? Dead and horrible. Uh, and it was like, and it was like literally ten days before the exhibit was supposed to go. I, I'd planned enough time to get it so I could hang it. And they showed up, and I'm thinking, well, maybe the light will be, you know, it how won't big, be how so big, good. How, how big did you print? They're twenty by thirty. Oh, okay, so pretty good. Big, 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 yeah. big prints. Um, and I had boxes and boxes on my porch. You know, they showed up like in two days. Fuck. I was like, I didn't know what to do, and I so I I was thinking, well, there's nothing I can do. I'm just gonna. We'll wing it. People won't know any different, you yeah. know. It's not yeah. like you know. It's it, it's just going to be in city hall. The light's going to be terrible, and you know, be, it, we'll get through this. And my wife was like, "Nah, you're not doing that. Nah, you got to you got to talk to them. You call them up." And so we went back and forth for a little bit about test prints and stuff like that. I literally started driving to New York. Wow. To think, well, I'll just go and show them, you know. And uh, I got back. I sort of came to my senses. Came home. I got on the phone with the guy, and I said, "Look, you know." I said, I, I don't know how this happened, but we got to fix it. And I got these people are coming in a week. Yeah. And uh, they're like, well, you know, I don't, you know, and I said, I said, these guys killed Nazis. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And there was a little pause on the other end of the phone and he goes, you're right. Don't worry. Do we'll get it done. Yeah. It's like vet. Yeah, man. That's and it was like, so it, know, came, it all came together. It came together. The prints shut up. They were, they were beautiful. They were, they were, it was great. And so we've got them up and, and it was, uh, it was saved. Ain't thought of like doing a book or anything. People ask me about that. I, I just don't know, um, you know, the reach, Yeah. you know, I mean, I, I should have done like a, a mini book for my locally, Mm-hmm. You know, as people did ask me about that, it's a lot more work than people. Yeah, it's a lot. Imagine. It's hard to do. Uh, and for... it was like one of those things. Like I didn't have any money. I didn't make any money on the shoot. Mm. Um, 
And I wasn't really sure I could throw a lot of money into doing something that would end up being stacked yeah. in boxes in my office. But yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. I did show it again. It was showed again at the uh, KPM Museum a couple uh, last year. And, so. and with like a project like that, when you shoot that, will you kind of send that out to different clients you've worked with? Just kind of let them know like different things you're working on when you do a yeah, per- personal I, project like that? I mean, I really mostly send it out as like, you know, sort of a, like I did a series, like I posted... Uh, you know, right around the show time, I posted a new veteran every day and his story or her story. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and I obviously I put it on my portfolios on my website. Um, it was really, I mean, I clearly I'm not avoiding showing people the thing, but it wasn't, that was not the intent yeah, behind it. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, and, it, and it's such that the, the prints, once they got done with the second show have been, were sitting in my office for a long time. So basically I've donated all of those back to the communities from which mm-hmm. these people came from. So, Gloucester got, you know, like 40 prints and, you know, Essex and Manchester all got their, their veterans. So I'm hoping that they'll show up on public walls yeah. somewhere and they can just be part of the community. Definitely. And, you know, one thing I was kind of curious asking you about, like, uh, you've worked with like so many different magazines over your career. Like, how do you what do you think is the key to like staying on their radar, being that like we're in we're in Massachusetts, we're not like in New York where like most editors are. Like how, what's your approach to marketing these days? Like how, how do you stay on these people's radar? You think who, who said I'm on anybody's radar? <laughs> You're shooting, man. You just shot for political, man. You're shooting big stuff, man. I don't, I don't know. I, I, let me know if you find somebody who's got an answer. I know to like it. you, you've shot, you've used, I think wonderful machine for a while. Like, has that been like beneficial? Well, to I was, you? I was with them for, uh, probably, I think I was one of the first people with wonderful machine. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and it, it's got a lot of positives to it. Um, you know, it, it a lot of a lot of things come down to just sort of allocation of resources. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't know that I'm on anybody's radar right now. You know, as as much as I used to be, and I wish I were. Yeah. Um, it's tough because like we were talking before we started this, there's just so many photographers nowadays. Like there's so many good photographers. Yeah, there's so many good. Like I don't know what it is. I think it means it's just like with digital photography, the bar to entry is a lot lower because like you can kind of figure it out. It wasn't that thing with like film. There's a lot of more trial and error. It, it felt like with digital, you can kind of go on YouTube, figure it out. So maybe that, I don't know if that's part of it. I don't know. Well, if I put on my, my old guy hat, oh, I'm when I, back when I was young and there, there, there was actually a little bit of uh, of skill involved in technique, and you had to know and learn things. I mean, not that you don't do that today. And again, I don't want to make it sound like a like an old geezer, yeah, yeah, being kind of a jerk about the up and coming generation. Because I'm sure that that same conversation was happening when I was coming up. Definitely, you know, kids don't know speed graphics today. <laughs> um, but at the end of the day, the you know. There is a lot more manufactured photography than it used to be. I mean, now that we can all do our own retouching and stuff like that, there's a uh, probably a, a lot more people doing stuff, you know, post in post production that we never would have thought of doing mm-hmm. previously with film. Um, I mean, I've been shooting nothing but digital for what ten or a long time now. Yeah, I don't even know when the last time I shot film was. Was that like a weird transition? I, it was a necessary transition. Yeah, uh, because. As soon as digital came in, deadlines shortened. Yep. You know, you would get a call. You used to you used to get a call for a shoot. It would either be, you know, the next day or coming up, you would you'd prep, you'd do the shoot, you'd run to the lab, you'd ship the film the next day, whatever. 
then suddenly you started getting calls at eight or nine in the morning. Could you do a shoot at three o'clock? And by the way, we need it at five, Mm -hmm. you know, so digital became, you know, necessary, uh, just because the magazines started shrinking down the time frame. Mm -hmm. Um, the, uh, uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I want to make it really clear that I'm not like a oh, digital. Yeah, yeah. I love digital. Oh yeah, me I, too. I, you know, it's great now. It is great now, and it's it's amazing. And and I love film. I don't think that you know, I don't think it makes a difference, really, frankly, mm-hmm. whether you photograph something on a digital format or or film format. Other than maybe you know, if you're shooting eight by ten, there's a there's a quality to that you know kind of thing but at the end of the day it's about the pictures yeah it's your idea it's your idea how you execute it and there's still like a ton of craftsmanship to it like obviously with digital you you can't it is quick and you could be sloppy but there is like the people i think are good at it they really they know their vision and they 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 craft their look be it in photoshop or darkroom there's no difference really i just i just think that there's one of the one of the sort of trends that's going out there is that you know somehow shooting film going back to this analog mode is somehow makes better. It, yeah. and it's, it's, it's like let's let's be let's be honest. We shoot the picture. Yep. You make the print or you give the transparency. What happens to it? It's scanned. Yeah. Okay. It then becomes exactly what you basically photographed if you shot it digitally. Yeah. And in some respects, sometimes less so because you've got transit, you know, you've got the, the transfer transformation from negative to print to, uh, to digital scan. So, you know, it's that part of the process kind of buggers it all up to me. Yeah. I don't really care about techniques so much. It's more about an idea. Like you, there's people who take badass photos on their cell phone. Like you could find some like interesting looking guy, like at your, grocery store or whatever mm. take a picture of them it's interesting it's not because i shot it on portrait 160 vc or whatever you know what i mean uh yeah, yeah it is interesting to see that stuff though man uh, i guess i've never really been a, 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 a overly technical person so it, it me neither I, I guess maybe and maybe and maybe i'm maybe i'm missing something no you no know? i think it's great whatever you whatever you photo what, however you use it whatever tool you use yeah. at the end of the day are you making interesting photographs mm-hmm and if if the best thing that you can say about a photograph is that you shot it on film, yeah, <laughs> yeah. you know, I mean, keep, that keep, might be cool. Keep pu- keep pushing. I remember when we used to shoot with you know uh, uh, T Max thirty two hundred, and we'd push that to sixty four hundred, and it had golf ball sized grain, and we just <laughs> thought that was the coolest badass thing ever. Yeah, man. You know, but uh, now you can shoot digital at twenty five thousand. Yeah, know, so I know it's it's crazy. And um, I guess to, to kind of wrap up, like, I mean, you've been doing this for a while. What kind of keeps you going? Like, is photography still exciting for you? What, what do you think you enjoy about it that keeps you kind of been doing it for so long? I have, I have three girls going to college. <laughs> <laughs> you know. I, pray, I pray for you. <laughs> what keeps me going? Yeah. Uh, uh, fear of bankruptcy? Yeah. Uh, no, I mean, I... I but photography is still fun for you. It is. It is. I, 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 I love taking pictures, you yeah. know, and I love me, you know, the uh, as silly as trite as it sounds, the, the best part of my job is the uh, range of people I get to meet, you know, and get to spend a few minutes with, you yeah. know, and, and it, and they, they can be political, they can be, you know, celebrities or performers, they can be business people who are doing interesting things. They can be, you know, normal Joes, you know, people doing interesting things. Um, they can just be people yeah. who are interesting. So it, you, I get to meet and photograph 
really, really interesting people. Yeah, with that, even with that political stuff, I was thinking last night when I was looking at it, I was like, there probably might be a good chance like one of these people they photograph might be president in the future. Uh, yeah. It's kind of interesting. I mean, you know, I, I, I took my daughter, who's she's a senior in high school, and she's interested in guys. I have three daughters, by the way, just so, you know. Yeah. Um, she really wants to go into international relations. She wants to go into politics. She really wants to go into politics. Nice. So I took her on the shoot as an assistant. Wow. Uh, and she got to meet and spend a little time with, you know, the whole range and and, uh, you know, there, there's something some, pretty something cool about, you know, being 17 and meeting Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez Damn. right now when all this excitement's going on. And and it and it and it, what I what I came away from with all of that and this gets into my whole feminist roots and my 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 feelings about that is that, yeah, you know, these women are breaking uh, boundaries now in, in a way that is is going to be transformational and it's going to be transformational for people like my daughter, who's going to be coming up, going to college, and having these women. I mean, there have been role model women throughout definitely. history, but they've they've like they've they've rushed the barriers. Yeah, definitely. It's you know, so exciting. for me, it was like I I got to thank them for doing it because they were doing it for my daughter. Yeah, you know that whatever they accomplished after this, they had opened a new gateway for. For my kids and, and the next generation come up and to be able to tell somebody that while you're photographing them yeah you know is is pretty it's a pretty nice thing to be able to do yeah man so, that's, that's exciting man it's real powerful and um yeah jason i can't thank you enough for doing this man like i said uh it was exciting when i first got out of school like i was searching online photographers i wanted to assist for and you were one of the uh, first guys i reached out to we got to work on a couple of cool assignments and uh uh, but I guess for people listening, like, where's the best place to check out your work? Uh, JasonGrow.com. And I saw you're on Instagram now. I am on Instagram. What I've always it? been on Instagram, I, but my daughter, my daughter said, "Dad, you got to ramp up your social." You media. do, man. Like you have, if I, <laughs> you, you have such a catalog. Like you could, I, I, I'm not gonna tell you what to do, but you have so many uh, cool stories with all these people you photograph. Like that Chuck Norris story. Throw that up on there, and it's like, people. I think that'd be cool. Yeah, Chuck. I hope he doesn't mind me telling that story. But it was, <laughs> it, was it was just so awesome. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Instagram, Jason Grow, JasonGrow.com. Um, Perfect. I'll link. Know. I'll link it. And yeah. uh, thanks so much man hey my pleasure did do i do i get paid for this (laughs) Uh, checks in the mail yeah okay hey guys thanks so much for listening to today's podcast hope you enjoyed it i actually wanted to tell you about a new image transfer tool i've been using lately called pick drop it's a really great tool that was actually designed by photographers so they really had photographers in mind when they designed it Um, it's great when you need to send off those big files to your clients on whatever assignments you're working on Um, i've been using it for about a month now and what it's done for me is this really kind of helped me keep all my files organized in one spot i can create different folders for each assignment i'm working on and my clients can actually write notes on the photos and rate them um so like i said it's just kind of helped me keep everything organized in one spot and it has also just kind of helped me communicate easier with my clients and i can't say enough about it for years i was using like we transfer and dropbox but with pick drop they went the extra mile because they understand what photographers need um so I, I can't say enough about it um and actually with today's podcast if you use the promo code photobanter you're gonna get three months free when you sign up at pickdrop.com um so definitely go check it out and let me know what you guys think and remember to enter the promo code photobanter and you'll get three months free when you sign up at pickdrop.com 
And also, just got to give a big shout out to our guest, Jason Grow. Um, big fan of his work. Like I said, I was lucky enough to assist Jason early on in my career. So it was a real pleasure talking to him about all the interesting work he's done over the years. Um, so definitely go check out Jason's website at jasongrow.com, as well as his Instagram at jasongrowphoto. Lots of cool work up there. And as always, I'll be having weekly podcasts every Monday on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, as well as on my website, alexgagnephoto.com, and on my Instagram, at alexgagnephoto. Thanks so much for listening, and take care.